Welcome to the My Personal Football Coach Youth Soccer Player Development Podcast, episode 55 with Dave Chatwin. Welcome to MyPersonalFootballCoach.com's Soccer Player Development Podcast. Discover all the secrets, hints and tips about soccer player development and soccer coaching from some of the leading figures in world soccer. Here's your host, Saul Isaacson-Hurst. Sally guys, welcome back to another show. Uh, first of all, before we start, I've got a big announcement. Really proud to tell you guys that Arsenal's Academy is now being supported by the My Personal Football Coach app. Uh, been working on us for a very long time. Uh, Arsenal's a massive club um, and thrilled that um, they've chosen My Personal Football Coach to support their players and their coaches there in the academy. Uh, so obviously Arsenal joins uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers and Middlesbrough as Cat 1 Academies. And we've got academies all around the world as well as uh, over 100 grassroots uh, soccer organisations around the world. So if you're interested in how the My Personal Football Coach Club Partnership can take your club or federation to the next level, just drop me a line. I'll set you up a free demo to check it out. Uh, remember, you, all the players get the app. It's branded with your club uh, logo. Uh, you can you can log in and check the usage of the players. You can log in. You can you can set the players' challenges, and they get notifications on their phones. So any video on the uh, on the app, you can set challenges. Hundreds of videos, and the only app obviously in the world using by top clubs like this. And obviously with with uh, my background as well as an individual coaching specialist working at the highest level and working with grassroots organisations as well. So fantastic news here. Really thrilled about that. Uh, also, the new uh, position-specific midfielder course goes from strength to strength. Thanks for all the feedback about that. Uh, over 90 minutes of uh, footage there of detailed uh, tutorials and individual drills and, and specific things you need to be a top-class midfielder. Uh, so if you're interested in that as well, go to mypersonalfootballcoach.com and player and position-specific. Uh, but now to the show. Uh, really thrilled to have Dave Chatwin on. Dave joined me for a webinar uh, during lockdown and uh, really keen to get him back and talk about the amazing work he does at Charlton. Charlton, one of the best academies in the country in terms of uh, producing pro players. Um, the stats don't lie, so really interested to find out what goes on behind the scenes. And uh, he tells us all the secrets and about his uh, really interesting journey and about his travelling around the world and starting off at Charlton and coming back to Charlton after brief spells at Aspire Academy in Qatar. Uh, he also worked out in America like myself, uh, so this one's not to be missed. Lots of coaching gold, uh, lots of more podcasts coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, really got to challenge myself to get out as many as possible, uh, so make sure you keep it locked. Dave Chapman, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be here. Joining us from sunny southeast London, is that we're, we're, we're in that sort of neck of the woods? Like it was. It was. It was quite sunny today. We had a little festival down at uh, a local non-league club. And it was very, very sunny, a little bit cold, but uh, yeah, yeah, it was all right. But apparently tomorrow it's going to be a nightmare. So uh, yeah, yeah. Can, stay can, can dry today. Just, uh, I always ask the same question to begin with. What's, give us a brief outline of your, your playing and coaching journey up to this point, please, mate. Um, yeah, I played, I played a bit as a kid. I was at Orient until I was about 15. I uh, was, wasn't quite good enough, went, went around to uh, a few clubs, South End, and then um, uh, kind of, Gravitated into non-league, um, went through a bit of physical development late on, uh, which is my excuse why I never got through. But um, uh, you know, found my way to play in semi-pro, uh, fairly decent level at, 
18, 19, um, and just always got into coaching early on. I uh, used it, got my my then prelim badge when I was about um, 17 at, at college and managed to get a job with Crystal Palace Community Scheme and was doing everything with their sports development officer. Uh, so going to schools, after schools, in schools, holiday programs. Um, I managed to get a job in the in the US um, doing Britannia soccer camps when I, when I was 18. There was there was such an influx um, of kids wanting want to play soccer after the World Cup in 1994 that I was lucky enough to get out when I was 18. And um, the football coaching uh, and doing the camps really, you know, the, um, the, the, the traction really took hold then. And I found us, uh, I had uh, a bit of a talent and a personality towards it to just follow it up, really. So um carried on working for a couple of pro clubs over here, um, mainly in their community schemes and doing the, the uh, community-type type work. And followed it at university. I wanted to do uh, sports development and coaching. Uh, and basically, cut a long story short, um, managed to get a, a contract at a, a soccer club in Minneapolis in Minnesota, uh, which really opened my eyes. It was a club with you know, 50 teams and, um, you know, one of these massive clubs with a, a big girls' programme, a, a, a big boys' programme. So I was, I was working across both genders and, and just um, really found my home um, in that type of environment. And, um, and then I, it, it, I actually got a job at a, co- at a college in North Carolina uh, just after that. And... Um, I really like that type of work. Um, really, really enjoyed that. I worked with Dave Sexton, the uh, the old England uh, manager. His son, Dave Sexton. Um, so uh, that was a, a, a great experience going from an, a, like a big American club to a big American college. Uh, but then I found out I couldn't get a visa because I didn't have a degree. So uh, it was either pay twenty five thousand dollars and 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 stay there to complete the degree or come home and do it for it, do it in the UK for free and. Um, so I chose the the latter option, just basically for financial reasons, and went to the University of Greenwich, which is right next door to Charlton Athletics Training Ground. So managed to get into the academy through their Development Centre program, and from there it just went on. Um, uh, got into uh, an age group, uh, got my A license, I got that. Then I was offered a full time job as their assistant academy manager, um, doing so seven to eleven. So there was two. It was two of them, there was seven through eleven, there was Steve Avery, the current academy manager, was twelve to sixteen. Uh and so in two thousand five I went I, I went full time. Um and that was that was a great experience because academies were much different then. There was less full time staff, there was more uh responsibility to work right across the board. So I was uh, you know, assistant coach to the 16s. I've run the 15s. I was doing the 12s, the 11s, the 14s. It's, it was it was great whilst 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 still running running uh, my phase, um, if you like. Um, so that was a really really satisfying experience. And uh, we went on we went to a tour in uh, Qatar in 2006, and we went to this amazing Aspire facility. Um, and obviously, it can, you know, one of these places that it just blows your mind. It's the world's best sports facility bar, bar, bar none. And um, that was always in the back of my mind. I thought, you know, I wouldn't, you know, when you see this kind of place, you think, yeah, I'd like to work here. Um, but it was too early in my Charlton career for that. So we went back in 2008 um, and there was talk of 
redundancies and stuff because of the financial position the club was in. So I asked the, the then head coach, you know, if there was any opportunities coming up. Uh, and luckily there was. And, you know, I found myself a year later based out there. And that was uh, the most eye-opening you know, coaching experience and cultural experience that I've I've certainly ever had. So I spent four years in Qatar doing their, their, their national under 14s, 15s and 16s, um, going to all these tournaments and um, having all these top clubs from 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 Europe coming into play us, uh, that was a that was a really fantastic personal journey for me, uh, or personal experience. And um, then I found uh, myself in a situation where they want to take a different direction out there. Um, so I had to come home, um, spend a little a little bit of time looking around, uh, trying to get back into clubs in, in the UK. Spent a little time at West Ham before. Steve offered me another job at Charlton, so I went in into the under-15s, uh, part-time uh, coach initially, and that and, and that and that opened up into a full-time role, um, which came up, which was the foundation phase, which is what I've been in since I was uh, since 2015. So, brief wow. synopsis. So, whistle-stop tour all around the world there. Pretty yes, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Career. Let's let's wind back to your time in America. I'm interested. Obviously, I spent a lot of time there. Well, a couple of years there in my beginning of my career, my formative years. You talk about how important was that? You talked about personality there in camps, doing the camps and stuff for Britannia. How important is that? And do you relate that into as well working with foundation phase players and, or general coaches? Fundamental. Yeah, absolutely fundamental to your own career. And and and, and I I still use some of the practices. That we used on those camps, you know, as icebreakers, as uh, as you go to sessions or you go to games rather, um, to just try and heighten any engagement. And I think it was it was absolutely pivotal to, to me to gain any confidence on the field. It was just to to learn those type of uh, fun fun practices where. Um, you know, if if it wasn't quite going right, you throw them in, uh, and and suddenly you got the camp back on your side again. It was it was it was it was so so important because you went in with the confidence of knowing, you know, how to engage, uh, what, what 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 rules and conditions you you put on practices to engage a small group. And when you know this, when you've got um, a load of six year olds that never kicked a football before, and you've got three hours with them, Monday to Friday, you feel, you soon find out about yourself in terms of your personal resourcefulness and coaching personality to be able to deliver and give them an enjoyable experience. And um, it was great for me because you were going from one town to the next every week. So uh, I just felt my confidence growing and growing and growing. Um, Every week I was out there to such an extent that when I came back home to England, I was a much better coach because of it. Um, so you know, you don't you don't normally get that in many situations where you know you think you go from England to the US. And, you know, I know what I'm doing. And, you know, I know you know, I'm I'm from England. Of course, I know what I'm, talk, what I'm talking about. But it was it was the other way around for me. It was I I, I, I came back with such a confidence level. Um, and as I say, I still use some of it now. And talk about a little bit. Then you transitioned into working as a DOC or something, a director of coaching or something like that. Yeah, I was, club, but... I was, I was uh, assistant academy, uh, assistant director of coaching um, mm-hmm. f- uh, for one of the big clubs in in southeast Minneapolis, 
And uh, that was that was a great experience for me as, you know, as a 23, 24-year-old um, to go out there and to have the responsibility of passing on my knowledge and working with teams rather than, um, you know, and individuals rather than be camps as, as it had been till that point. Um, I found it. I found it a bit of a baptism of fire in, 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 in terms of the American market because they pay your wages. Uh, they do think that they've got um, a say in a lot of things. And I was I was typically English and went over. You know, you know, I'm the coach. I'm the boss. What I say goes. And to some extent, that 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 that, that, that worked. But I think um, looking back, you do have to meet them in the middle somewhat. Um, to dumb down the politics of it all, but on the field it wasn't a problem at all. Uh, I I really enjoyed that, and uh, to go to the big tournaments at, at weekends and have twenty of, you know, twenty of the club's teams participate, and you just float from one game to another to another to another, you know, just passing on your knowledge and helping the coaches out. I thought the coaches were really, really re- receptive and really, really open. Um, but obviously, um, you know, it's, uh, it was. Something that I really enjoyed doing. It's interesting because then you went, you did, you transitioned into like a college job. You, you pretty much, you've, you've uh, hit all the bases there as the American coaching mark. You've done the camps, you've done the club, and then you've done the the university coaching thing. So yeah, do you like? Do you look? Do you reflect back on that time and think, well, actually, maybe I, I loved it. Go out there, I, go back and do I, that again. Yeah, yeah, I love two souls. To be honest, it was one of these where I was in, I was, I was in Qatar, and uh, Paul Nevin was the head of coach development uh, when we were out there and he asked me the question was what's your ultimate career a- 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 ambition and it was and it probably still is to some extent to be to be a D1 college um, soccer coach in, in the States I, I loved everything about it the flying to games the you know two or three games in, in a week the top quality facilities the I just I just loved the Americans uh, or the the, 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 play, the players attitude and work rate and their um, their the, the, the focus and com- competitiveness to absolutely everything. If think if you marry that up with a decent coach and like a good coaching setup, um, I, I I found it um, I found it really really uh, exciting, really enjoyable, and something that I'd like to do again. But you know, chances seldom come around really because it's all about starting at um, you know it's, it, it, it's it's like it is over here. You've got to have contacts and you've got to have the right contacts and then you've got the visa so, situation. Yeah, well, I was going to say the visa thing is the main one. Yeah. I mean, that's why yeah, I actually yeah. came back from America because of the, like, for you, my visa thing to do my teacher training and then obviously yeah, same Spurs and uh, never went back. But I mean, that's the thing, that, like, the lifestyle and like you mentioned it there, I always talk about it, the amount of hours you get on the grass day to day, you know, you're coaching every day. you know, Every single morning, hours, every, every, day, every morning, every you know, afternoon. It's great. very difficult to get that here, right? Yeah, yeah, just, just, just the contact time, uh, the quality of the players as well, and their attitude and their focus, and you just, you just feed off that. And uh, and the only thing wrong with the American uh, way that they do it is because they, they just try and cram all the games into in in into such a short season, so you lose a couple of your key players, and and then it's. Um, takes a wind out yourself somewhat but um also it's, it's almost like an endurance test right it is it is time to develop uh, uh, yeah yeah but it, but then but then there's um you get to a point where the atmosphere is so good within the camp especially when you're winning games and you know, the camaraderie and suddenly it, it, it 
it all ends. You think, oh well, that's it, season's gone. Um, so I couldn't, couldn't, couldn't quite, couldn't quite get my head around that one. But I really well, tried. And then what you did for the rest of the year, recruiting and just recruiting and going to the occasional tournament. And I'm thinking, so yeah, you know, is, is, is this it? And then you look at a mini league come Easter time. Um, and then that was about it. But you, you mainly go into tournaments and uh, recruiting and talking to parents and um, and doing that part of the job, which is pretty much the main thing out there, isn't it? It's it's, it's so so hard. So let's talk about you back to sunny old England, South East London, and you end up at Charlton. Tell us a bit about your first experiences in the academy there and what was that like going in there after being obviously that you worked with, you know, some top coaches already. What was that like going in? Yeah, um, it was, uh, I think it was, it was, it was a, it was a real um, keep, your, keep your gob shut kind of uh, in, in, in environment. There was a lot of older, more experienced coaches. Uh, and so, um I was, you know, obviously I was a little bit nervous, but there was there was there was a deep held respect for some of these people that play Premier League and that coach Premier League players, and um, and so to go and work with them, there was a there was a coach called John Humphrey that played for Charlton and Palace, and uh, so I was I was working with him, and you know the things that he was coaching and the things that he was talking about, uh, and the game experiences that he was passing on to players that you know from the from having played the top level was. Was was priceless for me as a coach, but it was something that was a there was um, there was a lot of older coaches in the environment that you know you a little bit worried about speaking up uh, to and asking questions to. But then um, I found a very 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 uh, uh, accommodating. Um, Steve Avery was the, the now academy manager was assistant at academy manager, and I find him. Uh, Obviously, I found him very, very friendly, very, very helpful, and um, so it was, you know, slowly getting used to um, the demands in that environment. And some of the players were, you know, it was, it was back then when we were in the Premier League, so we were able to recruit better players and uh, attract better players. It was, it was a little bit nerve wracking, but something that, because of the confidence that I gained from America, from coaching at the club, from especially from coaching. In the college, the players were of the same sort of uh, standard, albeit a little bit younger. So um, I wasn't nervous in my delivery. I was more nervous of the people I was working with to, to try and gain their respect. Do you remember your first session there? First ever session you did at Charlton? Yes, yes, yes. It was it was circa Eden Prairie Soccer Club, um, an awareness session. Steve asked me to do uh, a bit of shape work with them. So I, did, so I led into it. I did a bit of awareness, you know, checking shoulder, back foot receiving types of type work. He said, can you do a bit of shape work with them? And I remember a session that we used to do at uh, the club in uh, in Minnesota, uh, with different colour cones for defending shape, different colour cones, uh, uh, attacking shape and, and move within the confines of those areas. And he really liked it. And it was just one of these that uh, I found great confidence in that, that, that the stuff that we were doing in the states to 12 to 13 year olds uh was was uh adequate or more more than adequate for the for the under 16s at uh, charlton so yeah yeah it's, it's uh always you, how, always how remember did, that how long do you think it took you to like assimilate or you know feel part of the academy or feel confident that you know you were oh really quick really yeah. quick i remember the first game away away at reading i had the under nines uh away at reading and uh I felt that the coaches, um, uh, there were some that are there now, Sergio Baltaccia, the uh, ex, ex, ex-captain of Russia, 
I'm, you know, sharing a coach with him, you know, played against Maradona and stuff like that, and and Johnny Humphreys and uh, Paul Billsby. You know, they're all older, really experienced, either players and and uh, coaches, but uh, they were really personable as well. So I thank them for that. And, and so, so I want to come. We're going to come back to Charlton in a bit more detail after we come to the cup. But just what was it like then when you went in to start as a you know the foundation lead in those days? What was the landscape like? Obviously, a lot more different to now in terms of was it was there, was there a unique philosophy in the foundation phase, or was the nines doing the same as what the rest of the academy were doing? It was it was really overseen from Steve from all the way down from um, six. 16s to 9s um, so he had he had overall say about everything but then the job and the responsibility was mounting up 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 so much that they brought me in um to really you know, oversee and develop a pre-academy but it was very set in stone program a very traditional program still is really where the fundamentals of being comfortable on the ball and passing the ball and receiving the ball and um it was you know in ball manipulation it, it Etc. That was that was fairly set in stone uh, then, and it was easy to work from. Um, as a as a part time coach, I I like the fact that you know for the next four weeks we're doing receiving techniques for the for the four weeks after we're doing shooting and finishing. It was and then you create a session within that. So not not too much had to change, but um, I wanted to add value to the program, so I gave specific sessions to the boys uh, to do in the home time so like a home practice type session uh, we built a uh, academy player handbook when we were in there so what to eat when to eat when, you know, how much to sleep so we we just broadened everything that we could um, and I worked very closely with Steve on that uh, to just further develop the program and I, I put a lot of energy into trying recruiting the best five six seven and eight year olds and take them on tournaments to you know to um, the Midlands and stuff to play to play Everton and, and, and other clubs where we'd meet in the middle and we'd do seven to eight uh, mini festivals. I think we were quite proud, groundbreaking then. So that was that was really what I started to do. And tell us, we'll, we'll come back a little bit more about the philosophy in detail after, but and tell us a little bit about that initial transition into your full-time gig. What was that like, getting the first full-time oh, role? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, everyone associates football being a very glamorous lifestyle. Wasn't what the reality is like working full time in football. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was it was one of these where I went from teaching full time to coaching full time. But you you soon got soon got to know that you were you know uh, lowest down the food chain. You know it's um, being being down at the foundation phase and um, in in no certain terms that I didn't have a computer for for for, for, for about a year. You know it's just one of these where. It was, um, it was just, you just had to get on with it and, uh, and work within the constraints that you were dealt with. But it was, it was something that I went in with all the enthusiasm and, uh, in, in the world. And I, I just kept asking for more and more and more and more. So Steve Grit just, just, I think, I think, I think to, to shut me up in the end, just gave me what I wanted and, and just let me fly really. And, and I think one of the remarks from the education officer was that I brought great energy to the job. Um, and so I didn't didn't quite get everything right, but there was the energy and the in in, in enthusiasm there that everyone could feed off, and so they uh, they they just continued to support us, uh, especially in the early days, because a lot of my ideas um, 
uh, hadn't been hadn't been tried out before with the pre academy and try and get that into place. Uh, but yeah, it was it was something that I was very excited about. But um, it was a little bit daunting as well going into a pro cup for the first time when you're full time because you know you tread on tread on eggshells for a bit and you see Alan Kirby for the foot uh, for the first time and you're thinking you know have I have I have I made it here and he, he blanks you as he walks past the uh, when he when he goes past you in the corridor. So you're doing you soon get to find out that yeah you're in, you're in a pro club, but just keep your head down and uh, keep your nose clean. So tell us a bit about tell us a bit about that pre academy stuff. Then you were doing that was you, the stuff you introduced to the pre academy. Well, we, they didn't really have one. Um, they they had a recruitment officer. Uh, was a little bit uh, old fashioned, should we say? Um, very good at nicking the occasional player, but I think he was coming to the end of his career and he had had enough of it. Uh, and so we had a re- really good scout called Andy Bell and he was saying, look, Dave, I've got all these good kids, but we keep on losing it. We need a coach like yourself to come and take hold of this under sevens group that they've got. Otherwise, all the, all the clubs are going to come and nick them. So I put an extra session on. So we did them twice a week and tried to get a little games programme with people I knew like, uh, Jeff Noonan from Fulham and people like that, where we just try to give them more exposure, give them give them more contact time, a little bit of structure and a lot a lot of fun you know, with the, with the fact that I thought that Dennis was going to retire the following year. So I said to him, "Look, I'll take the sevens on. I'll bring them through sevens into eights next year because I, I could tell that he 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 had lost all uh, all all interest." In doing the under eights because it was so stressful, and uh, you know, as it as it as it still is now. So I, I kind of I built off from from my own back a little bit by by you know investing so much more of my time within within there. But then we began, we began to see the fruits of labour and um, um, started to get a real good eights group for the following year. And we didn't lose too many. We lost uh, we lost one or two starlets, but. Um, um, you know, to, to 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 Chelsea and stuff, but um, you know, we were we were punching above our weight uh, just through the hard work. And I think if you give if you give decent people good coaching and a good service, and 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 you're 100 honest and straight up with them, then you won't you won't go far wrong. It's it's and I don't think we had done a good job at doing that previously. And we had to tap into our community program as well because I was seeing so many kids. But there wasn't anyone to go to uh, within within the academy to say, look, we've got we've got good good kids like um, locally, and we used to get all our kids from Essex and stuff, and we're South East London. I, I couldn't couldn't quite. So I, I tried to bridge that gap with the work that I did. Um, whilst so how did you how did you how did you do that then? What was practically did you do to get the community scheme boys and girls involved? Well, I, I went and delivered session to their to their coaches. I'd I'd been a community coach there for a couple of years when I was at uni. Uh, so I just wanted to spread the message that you know, uh, you know, I was I was one of you basically, and um, I want you to be our eyes and ears around the local community. So any players that you see, we were paying the uh, community scheme uh, a certain amount a year to run what, what they call an advanced centre. So it was it was just trying to um, just just trying to let all their coaches know whether they're going into schools, working after school programs, in school programs. Any any talent ID, feed them, feed them straight to there because there's, there's a direct pathway to the academy, and just trying to make that pathway a little bit more, you know, or just just trying to cement it so much because I think it had been fractured. So I spent a lot of time trying 
trying to get the community scheme back on board with the academy and um and so we're all, we're all singing from the same hymn sheet. Doesn't matter where you come in from. If you're good enough, you're good enough. So I was I was one of those people that when they, I, I don't care where you're from, just you know I want mm. I want you in if you're good enough because I want to work with you. So it's interesting because you know as we as you all know, you're only as good as your, the players you're getting in. Your recruitment is such a key yeah. part of any academy. Massive. We, um, what's uh, I mean, people won't know about the under eights landscape in uh, in London. You know the competitiveness and. The what goes on. We we joked just the other day when we were chatting about a, a certain scout from another club who's very renowned for coming and nicking all the best under eights or the players. I mean, how how tough is it? Uh, the under eights program, you know, and you know, and you know how ruthless is it? And you know, and you know, just try you know lay that out what that sort of environment's like around London with all these clubs everywhere. It is fierce and unrelenting. It, it really is right right the way up to the. So the last couple of days, we had a we had a situation a few years ago. We had an absolute starlet. We did everything we could. Came to our signing night on the Monday, um, and with all the pictures and all the mum and dad doled up in there. You know, he's he's in his suit, everything like that on the pitch. Signed for Chelsea the following night. You know, it's just it's, and nothing will ever surprise. Me. I think I'm to be honest, I'm I'm hardened to it now because it used to break my heart every single year. Losing Callum Hudson Adoy when you've done one-on-one sessions with him for the last year uh, in your own time, uh, losing him two weeks before was the straw that broke the camel's back, really. And and I was and so when I had the Qatar offer on the table, I thought, you know what, I've done my bit now. I'm just going to go, you know, Callum's Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell you know, and and Callum knows that because I've told him many times since. But uh, but no, it's it's it, it's it's very very disheartening. Um, because of the unreliability of it, you know, and the, the trust factor that parents are in it. I've got to an extent now where where I I make them an offer, and you know, a couple of weeks later we go for a coffee, and I've got a bit of time frame on it. You know, I need to know by that time, hundred percent or not, otherwise we move on. Um, because it is the second most competitive age group out of all youth academy football in the UK. It, it's it's you get the, the most competitive is under sixteens when they when they to take a scholarship. The second most competitive is under eight. Trying to trying to pitch that to bosses and and superiors at clubs uh, and having it fall on on deaf ears is is very disheartening. As I, as, as I say, because you have to invest there because if you get it right there, um, you sh- you should keep them. Now there's there's so many factors that come into the individual of whether they get through or whether not. But if you're if you're trying to get the best technical players that you possibly can, if it works out for them f- physically and attitudinally through their formative years, you should have a player on your hands still. So the need to invest in the pre-academy and especially in under-8s is, is, is absolutely pivotal. I mean, it must be difficult. I mean, imagine, you know, because obviously you've got the juggernaut Chelsea, who obviously they're one of the big priorities in South East London, Arsenal coming yeah. in South London, and Nick in Tottenham, West Ham, all these big, you know, cat run clubs. And then, so, like I say, how, what, what do you do to, 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 to make yourself unique and compete and, you know, and, and you know, and yeah. get those yeah. players over the line in such a competitive market? Yeah, well, our environment, our environment, our personal touch, our honesty, and hopefully, quality of our delivery um nothing sells it more than than the quality of your coaching um but but also 
personal touch uh, that you can provide as a coaching staff um, without without going over the line. Um, you know, make an effort to get to know the boys, to get to know the parents, to 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 do any any extras you can take to games, uh, take to the first team manager, all the stuff that other clubs do. But just just try and build that personal relationship. The environment is absolutely key um, in, in in terms of the work you do, and I, I think the the ego of coaches is really really key as well because. Um, you've got to get the right staff in, with the right motives, and, and, and take any any coaching ego out out of the way. And 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 that's that's why I, I, I hark back to the community days and the Brisbane soccer days and, and all that because you want coaches with uh, as as flexible a skill set um, as you can have because you want them to have the knowledge, but it's got to be fun. It's got to be really developmental. Um, and the message has got to be clear and simplistic. I mean, you've, the, 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 for me, the simplicity of practice is absolutely key, um, and the competitive side of the practice as well for for family engagement with under eights, I think, is crucial. Um, and just setting the right environment, you know, being being as honest as you possibly can. Um, and and I want to say it, but you know. You know, giving the impression that you're not going to be walked all over, right? There's a there's a, there's a certain point and there's a tipping point where if you keep going to all these other clubs after the certain date that we agreed, then see you later. Mm. You know, move on to yeah. the next. The chance of these kids getting through is is so few and far between anyway. Um, you know, I think there's a there's that stat. You know, two 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 percent after the Premier League stat, two percent after uh, under fourteen managed to get a pro contract. So a lot of these kids are going to struggle to get to under 14, let alone past it. Mm. And it's just 2% yeah. of them. So, so you know, make it as fun as you can um, and, as, and as developmental as you can for the boys while they're there. But the long short of it is, there's, you know, I used to get beaten up, but, you know, I used to beat myself up about it, but it's a little bit harder now. Uh, okay, let's go. Let's just talk about Aspire then uh, in Qatar, your, your, your new role there. Tell us about the you know the first impressions there. What was that like, and, and adapting? What the first things you noticed, and the compare and contrast to your life at Charlton? Oh wow, wow! What a, it, was, it, was, it was day and night, absolute day and night. You go there with your English mentality, and you get a kick in the uh, yeah, you get smacking the chops straight away because it's you know this is this is their town, this is their country, you know, and and uh, it was it was something that I wasn't expecting that. You'd want to impress with your sessions first of all, and you do your if all if all fails if if all else fails sessions. You know your best ones would come out early doors, and they just sacked it off. Like the kids sacked it off because their mentality was so um, it was competitive to a point, um, but it was they were very very lazy. They were very affluent, and affluence breeds breeds a little bit of yeah yeah. A lot of laziness. They didn't want for anything. So these were like the national team players yeah. as well. Yeah, and they were like, they were like, coach, coach, I'm tired. I want to sleep. I want to sleep. And I was like, well, you know, we've got a session now, and, and you know, <laughs> we, we we're playing Bayern Munich in two weeks. We, 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 what do you mean? Um, but you had to, you, know, you had to find a way. Every coach that, that goes there goes goes through this process. 
they come over as a coach and they think that they know what they're talking about and they think they're a decent coach, but they, you're not a decent coach until you're coaching Qatar, believe me. And you have to so really... So which one's, which one's the toughest session? The six-year-olds for 15 hours a week, but, you know, to oh, keep the ball or the Qatari lads? Qatari under-15s after they've just lost the next day. Yeah, that's that's the biggest challenge ever. But, uh, but no, they, they, were, they were very good technically, but they just didn't want to work hard. You know, they, and and when you don't have to, you know, then then it's it's a lot more difficult for a coach to kind of drive a session as he would do in his native country, for instance. So you have to find a way. You you, you have to put a competitive element, absolutely everything, um, and talk about the simplicity of, 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 of practice, but the way you condition it to, to, to always guarantee there's a competitive element. To get their engagement was something that that I found myself uh, being quite good at, you know, by, by, the end, by the end of my time there. Because you just have to lower your expectations of what you could achieve in a session. Because a lot of the times the boys didn't care, right? And so you have got you, you've got all this knowledge, you've got all these practices, and, and you've got all this enthusiasm, and they didn't really, you know, they didn't want to work hard. So. It took a bit of time to get over that, all right? And so uh, a lot of coaches go over there and have similar experiences that you just have to dumb down your expectations and do what you can uh, to develop them, but you develop at, at, at their rate as opposed to, you know, what you expect to do uh, over here. You know, so it was a it was a baptism of fire for sure. And what about, like, lifestyle? What was that like out there living in some like a town? Well, great. It, it tough at first. I'd say the first three or four months were were really tough because um, you know you've, it's, it takes a bit of uh, bottle to go out there. And uh, I found myself doing all these sessions and they weren't working. I'm thinking, what have I what have I done? You know, I left a good job at Charlton to come here, um, and so you just have to get through that first three or four month period. Lifestyle was brilliant. I mean, we were working three mornings a week. Uh, because you work so early in the morning, you got three or four hours off in the afternoon before you go back for your set uh, for your for your second session. So, you know, you had you had two or three hours off uh, from like twelve to three when it when it's so hot that you can't work out there. But uh, and so yeah, it was it was it was something that I wasn't used to just having having all this time off all the all the weekends off. The best part about it was there was a England expat team. Uh, so in the first couple of weeks, I went I went training with them. And there's 40 English lads training together, and I thought, yeah, yeah, and you you just find your your group of mates within that. It's like going to uni and, and joining the football team, you know. Um, so that, that 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 really helped. That it was there was some uh, uh, lads there to pal up with, uh, and there was like a big uh, expat game between England and Scotland, and uh, that was that was something that we that put a lot of focus and uh, effort into training hard and getting fit. Uh, in the spare time, so you had a bit of focus in in terms of football, but uh, life, lifestyle couldn't be beaten. It's brilliant. What, what, what were your major takeaways from your time in the Spy at the Spy Academy? Do you think contact time that you can't beat the contact time that, that you know, or the increased contact time? It was you were doing five sessions of two hours in the afternoon, so that's ten hours plus three sessions in, 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 in the mornings, you're doing 16 hours a week with your team. So that's where you're able to uh, to do more more, you know, more low-key 
technical work because you had the time, um, you're able to repeat sessions constantly and, and uh, consistently, you know, and, and sometimes in the same day as well. So it was really something where you could really narrow the focus of your sessions and really get into the detail as long as you've got a competitive element on it. You could drill down into, you know, in, 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 into like deep technical work uh, with real, real, real small differences to try and um, get them to the next level. And, and it was just, for me, it was the contact time. It was obviously the investment. I mean, we had um, top European teams coming out uh, twice every month. So you, they used to pay $40,000 for each team, like a Spurs or an Arsenal or a Chelsea to come over. Uh, so you so you knew you had the top top quality um, or, or, or position every other week. So you got two weeks training, big European team, two weeks training, big European team. Um, and then we're going on on, on tournaments to, to, to Europe as well uh, in the in the, you know, the Easter, in the Easter breaks and pre seasons and stuff. So investment, contact time, and um, that would be my main things. And and I saw a lot of coaches out there as well. So you, as long as you went there without your English hat on so much, and and you were open to ideas from the French coaches, you were open to ideas from the Spanish coaches and the and the um, you know. Italian coaches, German coaches. I found myself, you know, you know, very, very open to their ideas and their philosophies because I wanted to get as much as I could from that experience. And I think a few of the coaches went out there with a real closed mindset. I'm English and we do it our way. But I found myself it was it was good for me to to, to kind of take my English hat off and uh, and um, be open to their to their ideas and their philosophies to to broaden my knowledge. Well, how did it work out there in terms of like curriculum? Who designed the curriculum out there? Who was who was you know? Academy manager, which had... was which was Mick Brown, which is the ex uh, Charlton um, uh, academy manager b b before Steve Avery uh, and Steve Grit. Um, so there was there was quite an English theme over there, which helped. Um, so he set down the coaching program, but he let coaches coach. Uh, I mean, I was working with a Dutch guy, a guy from Belgium. Um, and the Spanish coach when I was over there, and and you you know, as long as you work within the program, uh, it was it, it 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 wasn't week by week. It was you know you had your themes and then you design your pro you know your, your, your sessions uh, within that theme. Um, but it was um, it was it was a very very good program. I, I, I must say, yeah, two attacking sessions for every one defending session, uh, for for example, and just. Uh, Create your own sessions within that, within you know, under his main structure. So, um, you know, it was a good one. So let's talk about then. You, you come back to to, to London. You're, you get a job at West Ham, obviously briefly. Tell us about that. It was like I remember actually seeing you there. I was because football such a small world. I was working for Chelsea at the moment. We had a fixture down at that little heath, and then I saw you there. I thought, oh, that case from Charlton. It's like you know, football such a small world. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Tell us about what was that like at West Ham? Because obviously, I mean, in terms of like. What was the difference between working? What are the, the you know the things you noticed the difference between working at West Ham, working at Charlton, the philosophy and all those sorts of things? Just a completely different club, an absolute you know just just day and night again. Uh, it was I mean you sense you were part, you sense that you're part of uh, something really big um, because of the because of respect that everyone held the academy in. Uh, it's one of my bugbears at uh, Charlton is that we we overachieve but don't. 
don't don't really get the recognition. When I went to West Ham, it was completely opposite to that. It was like, oh, you're academy coach, you know, and you got your tickets to games and everyone knew who you were and, oh, yeah, you're that new academy coach, aren't you? And, and like, you felt part of it. You felt so, you really felt felt part of something big. But for me, my timing was all wrong because it was it was the end of the Tony Carr era and in with the Terry Wesley era. And I knew both. And and I went in there and it was a little bit toxic uh, with all the new guard going in and we do it this way, that way, and all the old guard going, Dave, are you one of them? Because if you know, I said, Well, I'm not I'm I'm not I'm not one of you, I'm not one of them. I just I know a few people from everywhere, as you do in football, and and I've just I've just been offered a post. So it was a bit of a tough time because I like the the Trevor Bumsteads and the uh, Tony Cars and and all that, the uh, you know Stevie Potts, but all, uh, I like to try and manage the other side of it as well because um, I was obviously I, I was offered a full time job with them, uh, but it didn't it, it, it didn't come to fruition for a few reasons and mainly because it just wasn't right for me there and um, whilst I really enjoyed it um, and the players were good, but there there was there was a strange dynamic to the club. Um, at that time, with all the you know, with all the political infighting that went with it, and a certain individual that that was brought in um, and was very very difficult to work with, and and end up pissing a lot of people off. Um, and he was the main reason that I left because you can't offer someone a full time job and then and then pull it a week later for no reason. It's, 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 I, I, and so that was the main crux of it, but. I was going hour and a half for 30 quid and, you know, it just, it was one of these where I was, I weighed everything up and then Steve phoned me saying that the under-15s post was open at, at uh, Charlton, so it was an easy, easy, easy decision to make. So let's come back then to Charlton and uh, you, obviously tell us a bit about the foundation phase there now you're running there, tell us about the philosophy, you talked a bit about the basics and those sorts of things, just outline a little bit how you structure it and what, what, what yeah. the get given and stuff. Well, we, we, we try and stru- uh, structure our sessions where we're doing. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to go straight in the small sided games. So as soon as I arrive, small sided games, condition it or not, I leave that down to the coaches. Um, and so first first twenty twenty five minutes that they're playing, and I want it to be be high intensity, high octane. So the you know just to heighten the engagement. And if anyone's late, it really 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 doesn't matter. Just throw them straight in. And so they're into the session, and then I want the one that has to work through a structure where they're going unopposed technical. We've got to teach technique, especially at a club like ours, but we don't get the best players anyway. We have to do a lot more work on uh, isolating technique and teaching it and breaking it down into detail. So, you know, how many how, how many bite-sized chunks can you get for like, two touch passing me and you saw it? You know, can you break it down to, to, to 10 to 12 elements and just make it so easy for them? to understand and to progress. So I, I want a lot of unopposed technical. Um, the main the main reason being is that I, I've seen I've seen John Joe Shelby do loads of technical. I've seen Ariata do loads of technical. I've seen Carl and Grant. I've seen, you know, all the boys that have come through um, have gone through the programme that, you know, Steve set down and then I uh, set down and then I adopted really. So I want us to do a lot of unopposed technical work where there's loads of loads of interference so you know trying to heighten the awareness so it's not too easy but but they're really focusing on the individual technique and then we work through so from that 20 minutes small-sided games 25 minutes half an hour technical 
then go into some game-related work, some decision-making, post-type work for the next 30 minutes uh, and make sure we play the same format that we're going to play the weekend for at least 30, 35 minutes to finish the session. So out of a two-hour two session, uh, that's that's how I want it structured uh, within the programme that we have. Um, I want us to do a lot of ball manipulation uh, as, as, as the technical... Um, um, like the, the technical theme on one session, I want us to do uh, pass and receiving as as the technical theme on another session, and then ball striking um, for the other one. So that that would be a weekly breakdown of say the under nines. Um, um, so we yeah we do ball manipulation uh, as uh, into one v one for one theme um, on one night. We do pass and receiving. Uh, as the technical theme, and then we do ball striking and shoot as the last one on, say, a Friday. So that's that's the week broken down, basically. What's your thoughts then on all this, like, games, the teacher, you know, games-based programme, you guess, there's a lot of people promoting or were promoting and I think, to move away now. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's it's all about getting a balance right. So, it, it, it's you know, there isn't, there isn't one size fits all. Otherwise, we'd all be doing it. Um, I, I think that the... The going to be the teacher is fine in some respects, but I think the going to teach the coaches rather than the going to, to teach the boys. I mean, they're always going to make the same mistakes if you're not teaching them other 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 technical requirements. I I want it to be free. I want it to be expressive, uh, which is why we try and get a lot of the small sided work in at the start of the session. So we're actively encouraging that. But within our session structure, I, I, I do want us to go small sided and then break it down from unopposed to opposed to gain. So I think we should, we're just trying to hit the buttons in every session. So the working through say that the whole spectrum of the practice that you can go through um, in each session. So that's, that's, I think as long as you get the balance right in most of your sessions, you won't go far wrong. So if there's a lot of contact time, if, if there's a lot of game related decisions, great, but then we're, when are you going to get the technical work in to actually improve them as a technician and broaden their technical qualities? You mentioned earlier about uh, the child not getting the respect it deserves. So, so, so I was going to say as well, I think you're right, because statistically you're one of the best academies in the country in terms of producing pro players, uh, long, illustrious, you know, uh, list yeah. of players, talk about Shelby and all those boys, Gomez and those boys. Uh why why do you think you guys are so successful with a relatively smaller budget, a smaller, you know, a tattoo and a, a, surrounded by a bigger clubs? Is it what what do you think it is? Is it is it is it the recruitment area, catchment areas, is it your programme? What what do you think what's what's the secret source in that? It's certainly not our recruitment. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's for sure. But the uh, I just think there's there's no I mean it's 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 fantastic that we've got the reputation that we had because I really think that, that holds us that 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 holds a lot of weight with a lot of people. Um and it's our job to keep that reputation that goes with, you know, the Charlton Academy developed players and, and a lot of a lot of players get get through. But I think that there's there's no airs and graces about us. Um we are we are what we are. We are what we say on the tin almost. What you see is what you get now. The advantage of that is that we've had an academy manager that's been here uh, longer than me, so 
So he's been there 25 years and the continuity that that breeds with the, with the full-time staff, that we know what he expects and the way he wants it done and how he wants people treated and how he wants the kids treated with the, um, you know, with obviously the, we're firm but fair, very, very firm, but very fair, very, very, we're, we, we like to think we're a teaching academy. Um, we, you know, I want, I want us to teach technique which because Steve wanted me, you know, I, I learned how to do it from him. So that, so that's always passed down through the parts of the full-time staff that have been there a long time. And I just think that, um, as I say, very personable, very friendly, but also very good on the grass uh, and very, very disciplined without the ego. I think that we tick a lot of boxes because we're not full, you know, we're not a load of ego coaches that uh, want to wear a, ba- a badge and a jacket and go around parading themselves. It's a, we want to get, you know, we want to roll the sleeves up and develop players. Um, and that's that's been consistent in our delivery for a long time with a lot of staff that have come through. Um, and that's set down by the academy manager that's been there a long time. So the continuity, the consistency in message, um, the uh, personal touch as well, and and a lot of luck on, uh, along the way because we've got a pathway to the first team and uh, and and it's a clearer pathway. Um, and if you're young enough, um, players have been good enough to go in and done very, very well. So uh, there's nothing better than seeing... You know, players players come through and do well, and then move on to greater things. Um, and that's always something that our, our productivity level speaks for itself. And that's that's a big sell um, in itself, along with our reputation and our, and our and our continuity. Really. What about yourself? What do you do to to keep developing and keep fresh and keep yourself keep, keep new ideas coming in? You know what? I, I talk to a lot of older, more experienced coaches that are probably not in the game anymore. Um, and so as I don't think the game has changed too much. And so I think we've, I think a lot of the FA stuff, they're trying to reinvent the wheel to pay for certain facilities. And, and, and if you take on board a lot of what, um, the new nuances of coaching are, and then you, and you, and you mix it with some, so we say older school ideas, um, you're getting the best of both worlds and, um, I found myself on a few courses disagreeing with a few things um, because I used to go on courses when I first got into the game, 2005, 2006, where you had Dick Bate and Les Reed throwing information and detail at you, detail, 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 so much so that you couldn't take it all on board. And then I came back from Qatar, I went on courses then, and it's like, well, what do you think? What do you think? Well, it's not about what I think. Tell me what you think I should know. And and so I've gone back to um, keeping in touch with uh, guys that I used to work with, and I I I asked them for their opinions and their ideas. And then uh, I like to think that I keep up to speed with uh, with the latest developments. You know, being in a club each day and watching Steve and watching Anthony and watching all the good coaches that we've got here. Uh, I put my own ideas on it, but I'm not I'm not proud enough to go back to guys that I used to work with and say, yeah, can I, can I have 10 minutes with you? Can I have a coffee with it? Um, someone that, uh, a bit of a mentor of mine is, uh, Mark Robson, who used to be at the FA, one of the, one of the, uh, FA, um, in, in possession national coaches. And, uh, he's always inspiring to talk to. Um, so we can grab a, 
grabbing Nero's every other month and um, chew the fat. And I think that's really important to go to go to more experienced guys than than you that have coached at different levels. Um, and you know that's that's how I try and keep keep up keep up to speed. What about where do you recruit coaches from? Where, where do you get coaches for the foundation phase and what sort of things you're looking for in a in a coach? Do you know what? So we no, more more often than not not now is the hardest thing is getting reliable ones. You know, there's 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 so much added extra admin work placed on coaches um, to to work in an academy environment. Um, it's 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 very hard to keep on top of. Uh, whereas you used to have your session on your mind all day during your during your your full time job, and then fly to Charlton, and you had a, a basic idea in your mind, and you've written a session down on a bit of paper in your lunch break. Um, you're now after doing three or four hours on PMA just to satisfy, sorry, just to satisfy their needs. Um, so I feel that I feel that the sorry, I feel like the load placed on, on on coaches is totally unrealistic. I think the PMA demands were were basically uh, based on clubs having full time coaches at every single age group. So to place that on part-time staff is very difficult. So, sorry. So the reliability part is really key. I can work on them being, uh, you know, an improved coach, but they need to be able to be reliable and to be punctual and to always care about the the development of of, of uh, the boys prim primarily. I I go for coaches all that aren't after the next big jump. So they don't want to do the under nines and then suddenly they want to do the under 14s the, the following year. You know, the the age group jumpers, as I call them, you know, you need to keep guys in there that want to work with the young kids and they want to develop foundation phase. And then after four or five years, if they do their time, then, then yeah, go and work with other age groups. But um, so really the reliability, and I, I work a lot from the pre-academy programme, but they get to know what I expect. Um, and so, you know, when they're coaching, it's nice to hear a few Chapmanisms coming out in their work. You know, it's it's uh, it's nice that you have two or three years with them and then give them a go um, in their academy, uh, uh, with academy teams uh, from from the pre-academy, because obviously they've brought those those kids through, so they have that affinity with them. But that's not to say we wouldn't recruit from, from outside, but they have to be reliable and they have to, willing to work in an environment like Charlton which isn't the easiest at times and what about yourself what's your personal aspirations in the game I would like to get up to under 18s level um, I found myself doing under 15s and really in, in enjoying that and having to go back down to foundations to get back in full time but I do have do have aspirations to do that but I'm I'm realistic that I probably wouldn't get much past that because of all the pros coming out of the game and the luck that you have to have uh, to get into those positions. Um, so I see myself doing that. I'd like to go abroad again, uh, in all honesty. Uh, I'd like to do the American thing again. If the opportunity came up there, I, I really like the college uh, uh, coaching um, experience that that has. Um, so we'll see how we go uh, within the UK, within Cholton. And then, um, and then, Maybe, um, maybe have a, have a double about going abroad at, at, at some time in, 
in the future, but I don't know what the missus say about that. <laughs> what about uh, what advice would you give to a young aspiring coach who's you know wants to have a, a career in the game like you've had? Do your hours. Do your hours. And know the detail. If you don't know the detail, go and learn it. If you don't know it, come and ask me. I'll tell you. I mean, the only the only way that I got to where I am there is 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 um, working alongside Steve Avery for four and a half years and just getting my mind blown away. Going, wow! I, I thought I knew my stuff, but you know, it just it just just the absolute detail of um, that you need to have from a technical side, from a tactical side, and the way you put it over, and nothing there. Uh, there's no other way to really develop yourself and just get your hours done go and go and do i don't know Ipswich under 14s for a couple of years go and make your mistakes uh come into an academy environment when you feel you know enough to to last um but yeah get, get yourself out there uh don't be a computer coach don't just go on youtube and watch the videos and say i said that's my session tonight because you don't know the detail you know the organization but you don't you don't know your detail to really develop players within that practice. So, um, yeah, do your hours. Go go, go above and beyond, uh, out of your comfort zone um, and learn from those experiences. But, yeah, do your hours, know the detail. And what about advice for a parent of a young, talented uh, footballer? I'll just be realistic. So side for Charlton, obviously, but apart from that. Yeah, just, just, just get them to training and get them back and get them to do their own work. Don't worry about anything else. Um, get them there reliably. Let the coaches work. Um, he's going to do some really good things. He's going to do some not so good things. Don't get too high with the highs. Don't get too low with the lows. But just to do do as much as you can to take the pressure off your son. Is and just let the coaches work. If you're heavily invested, that's great. If you're supportive, that, that's great. But, you know, trust us that we know what we're doing. And um, if if they're not putting their weight, I'm the first one that's going to see that because the coaches have been around this environment for a long time. They can see when a kid's not putting it in. So that's time to give them a little push. But other than that, there's a lot for the boys to take in. And, and there is a bit of pressure in this environment, although we try and take as much off it. As, as you can so if they're if they're doing all that they can to take the pressure off their sons and just be as supportive as 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 is possible to the messages that we're giving that's what i'm saying dave chapman thanks very much mate it's been fantastic appreciate it cheers, cheers mate all the best thanks for tuning in to the mypersonalfootballcoach.com soccer player development podcast MyPersonalFootballCoach.com's Dynamic Ball Mastery Program is the world's leading online individual technical training program, proven and developed at the highest level in the English Premier League. Sign up now to train like the pros and take your game to the next level. Master the ball, master the game.